Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about the Winter Olympics for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything there is to know about snurfing and SBX. I'm Rachel, and uh, for once I won't dick around too much in the intro because Nancy has lots <laughs> to tell us about snowboarding. I do. So, snowboarding, I think most of us are at least vaguely familiar with. Um, it kind of came to prominence in the last 30 years and yeah, I, I think most of us have at least a concept of what snowboarding is. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, premiered at the 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan as an Olympic sport. And it was, uh, of the five new sports or disciplines added to the Winter Olympics between 1992 and 2002, it was the only one which had never been uh, a demonstration event, which oh. I thought was interesting. It just oh, really? kind of yeah, into a full kind of came to popularity and then got straight in, uh, added in. You said 98? Yeah. Yeah, 98. I mean, that makes sense because... It started getting real big in the late 90s. It did. And yeah, it, I, did. it, it probably really did. didn't need any sort of introduction. Yeah, I think so. And it, I suspect, though I didn't read this anywhere, this is just me pulling it out of my ass, but I suspect that it was an attempt to sort of make the Olympics feel fun and hip and relevant. relevant. Younger. Because this would <laughs> yeah. have been also like not too long after a bunch of scandals that the Olympics had mm. in the 90s. So True. Mm-hmm. Uh, so snowboarding, I don't know if either of you have ever tried it. I know Rachel skis. Rebecca I have skied. not actually I tried have Neither of you have tried it. Snowboarding. I had a college roommate who was very into it, who did at one point take uh, me and Kyle to the big snowy hill on USU campus and attempt to teach us to snowboard. I... <laughs> Made it about a quarter of the way down the hill before I gave up, uh, having fallen many times. uh, And Kyle, I think, did actually make it all the way to the bottom of the hill on both feet. And then neither of us have ever done it again. (laughs) And that was enough. (laughs) And that was was the end. Um, So that's my experience with snowboarding. Uh, It is basically a it's like skiing only both your feet are strapped to one board instead of there being two things and so you are always going down sideways on the hill instead of like with skis facing forward um so snowboarding as you could probably guess was inspired by things like skateboarding and surfing uh and thus developed in the u.s in the 60s um it kind of arose in a very sort of like hodgepodge way. So I'm going to give you a little of the history because it's pretty funny. Um, Thanks to uh, Wikipedia for some of the quotes here. Uh, So modern snowboarding first began in 1965 when an engineer in Muskegon uh, invented a toy for his daughters by strapping two skis together with a rope on one end so that he could help control it as they stood on the board and glided downhill, which is actually kind of a sweet idea. He didn't want them yeah. to crash, but he wanted them to be able to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this was dubbed the Snurfer, <laughs> combining so snow and surfer. Uh, and it turned out to be really popular, so he licensed the idea to a manufacturer that then sold about a million Snurfers uh, in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, He then organized a competition uh, 
which attracted some folks. Uh, and a bunch of the early boards were handmade. So there was one guy who came with a snowboard made in his high school shop class, glued carpet to the top of a piece of wood and attached aluminum sheeting to the bottom. Wow. Uh, and then <laughs> went on really to produce commercial snowboards in the 70s. Yeah. So like this is it was kind of delightful. Uh, yeah. Why don't we have why Jake, don't we have like AstroTurf on them now? That'd be cute. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jake Burton Carpenter, who was a Vermont native who enjoyed snurfing from the age of 14. Snurfing. Uh, then decided that, you know what, these need actually bindings would be a good idea to keep your feet on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if that's your goal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we skip ahead uh, then to 1981 when we have our first competition the King of the Mountain Snowboard Competition in Colorado. Uh, one entrant showed up on a homemade snowboard with a Formica bottom. Turned out not to slide so well on the snow. I feel uh, like Formica but, bottom is a good band name. We should write that down somewhere. Okay, we'll make a note of that one. <laughs> so uh, at what point did it switch from snurfing to snowboarding? Pretty late, apparently. Thing? Yeah? <laughs> um, well, King of the Mountain Snowboard Competition was 81. So it sounds like it was... it became snowboarding in the 80s. So it was snurfing in the 60s and 70s and snowboarding in the 80s. Um, But it moves pretty quickly after that point. So we have our first uh, King of the Mountain competition in 81. Then the first World Cup is in 85. And then the International Snowboard Federation is founded in 1990. And then it's in the Olympics in 1998. So like, that's relatively quick. Yeah, it is. Rachel touched on this in some of our skiing episodes. Uh, ski resorts were not a fan. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. skiers also not a fan. Um, and there was a lot of animosity between them for quite a while, in fact. Um, however, by yeah, now... I mean, I felt some of that, like, just as a occasional recreational did skier. You? That's so funny. Yeah. And, I, you know, some of it was obviously classism. But some of it was also yeah. like it was a lot of young mm-hmm. snowboarders mm-hmm. and not necessarily like at the time, there were probably not a lot of classes to be taken. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and also, I believe stopping on a snowboard and staying upright is much harder than it is on skis. So essentially, yeah. you had a bunch of like teenagers falling in front of you on the slope mm-hmm. while you were trying mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. downhill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of it was classism. Some of it was, OK, these people are also very annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, I mean, we talked about this with skateboarding uh, in the Summer Olympics that, you know, skateboarding, of course, is very tied to a prominent countercultural movement uh, mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. And snowboarding, likewise, tapped into a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So you you have, you know, it's not like, you know, I can't think of, and maybe this is just my experience, but I don't think of, like, a culture that's necessarily associated with, like, cross-country skiing right like you don't i think of like think of that as like upper crusty uh yacht club culture oh interesting see and i think of like backwoods folks so there's not a unifying theme there and uh, and neither one of those i think would be presented in the mainstream media a lot right like you just it's just not a big piece of it um but snowboarding was uh and did have very specific cultural ties and indications, which I'm sure also played into some of that animosity. Um, But now uh, 97% of all ski areas in North America and Europe allow snowboarding and more than half of them have specific snowboarding areas uh, that include jumps, rails, and half pipes. So uh, in 1998, when it was added to the Olympics, there were four events, two for men and two for women. 
they were uh, the giant slalom, which is similar to slalom downhill skiing, and the half pipe. So uh, giant slalom is a version of alpine snowboarding, uh, which is the most similar version to skiing. So takes place on hard packed snow or runs, uh, and is focused on doing linked turns, much like surfing or, or like skiing. There's a little jumping, uh, and if you're very good at it, you can do sharp, quick turns with, with good carves into the snow, uh, and then the slaloms are the gates that you go around. Um, That's funny, the... I was just thinking, I don't know that if I've ever seen a run of snowboard for speed. Well, you know, it's, yeah, I don't. It's done. I don't think I have either. I've seen it. I've seen plenty of half pipe and and um, mm-hmm. jumping. Yeah. Nope. There, there is. Uh, there are the slalom runs. Uh, so and apparently, and this I I didn't know, uh, but the boards are actually different. So they're longer and they're narrower and they're stiffer. Um, oh, for the speed events. Because that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the boots and the bindings are also a little different. They're a little harder um, and trying to sort of make a more rigid foundation, I guess. Um, so that's, that's fun. And then the half pipe, uh, which I think we're all a little more familiar with also from skateboarding is a semicircular ditch, um, or purpose-built ramp made of snow. And so you go, people perform tricks going from one side to the other. And while they're in the air, this is a very skate park looking event. Mm-hmm. So that's what we had in 1998, giant slalom and half pipe for men, for women in 2002, Giant Slalom was expanded to add head-to-head racing uh, and was renamed to the Parallel Giant Slalom. Uh, And then in 2006, we added a third event, uh, Snowboard Cross, uh, where where competitors race against each other down a course. But this is not like a slalom course. This is is like an obstacle course, so jumps, beams, uh, other sorts of things. This is also known as... uh, SBX or BX or border cross. Um, and you get several riders racing head to head down a course with jumps, beams, other obstacles. Um, and it, yeah. Uh, so that one, I feel like I haven't seen and I would like to, yeah. that also seems scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like we were talking about with ski cross. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen this and I would really like to. Yeah, so that's that's one to watch. For. Well, and you know what? Uh, in t- um, in the in the era that we're in now with television, and the ability to watch just individual sports means it's probably going to be a lot mm-hmm. easier for us to find this stuff, because yes, when you yes, could only watch true. it live on TV, you could only see the stuff that NBC or whoever was running it right. would show during prime exactly. time. Yeah, mm-hmm. from you know eight till eleven every night. Yep. So yep. Uh, in 2014, we got snowboard slope style added to the Winter Olympics. Um, this is the one I feel like I've seen the most of. Um, this is where competitors perform tricks while descending a course, moving around, over, across, up, down, uh, lots of obstacles, including boxes, rails, jumps, jibs. Um, it's a judged event, so it's not just about timing, mm-hmm. uh, and winning it is usually from successfully executing the most difficult line in the park while doing it smoothly. However, overall impression and style can also play a factor. So the rider who lands the hardest tricks will not always win over the rider who lands easier tricks on more difficult paths. 
so this, again, very similar to what we talked about with the skateboarding mm-hmm. uh, stuff in the summer. You get a lot of choice in this uh, event about what you're doing and, and how, um, but you do also have to do it well when the judges care about that sort of thing. And then our most recent edition was in 2018. This is Big Air. Uh, and the competitions are contests where riders perform tricks, launching off a jump that's built specifically for the event. So then they perform tricks in the air. Uh, and of course, the goal is always to land. Uh, you do have to, they take into account height and distance, but also what trick you did and how complex it was. So also snowboarding is a risky sport in which you're likely to get injured. Surprise, surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially if you're a beginner, which I thought was interesting. Um, and Rachel, I think you touched on this. It's, it says injuries were most likely among beginners, especially those who do not take lessons with professional instructors. Mm-hmm. So there are I classes it. these days, but yeah, a lot of people I think still don't have access to them or take them. But I've got to imagine um, that's that's got to be true for, for skiing too. Because you can go ski on a mountain without taking a lesson. You can, um, but apparently you are more likely to get injured snowboarding than you are, about twice as likely oh, wow. to get injured snowboarding than you okay. are skiing. Okay. I wonder, if um, it, did it say specifically what types of injuries? I don't know if it would it like, did. I feel like ankles and yep. knees. Yeah. Nope. You're no. Right. Head. Head injuries? So, yep. Head and wrist. Because mm. so people don't know how to fall. Quarter of all injuries... Yes, exactly. Occur to first-time riders, and half of all injuries occur to those with less than a year of experience. If you're more experienced, you're less likely to get hurt, but if you do get hurt, it's more likely to be severe, <laughs> which that probably does correlate with skiing. Um, two-thirds of the injuries in snowboarding occur to the upper body and one-third to the lower body. This is the opposite of alpine skiing, where two-thirds of injuries are to the lower body. Mm, yeah. uh, most common types are sprains. Uh, and the most common point of injury is wrists. 40% of all snowboard injuries are to the wrists. 24% of snowboard injuries are wrist fractures. For this reason, they recommend wearing wrist guards, especially if you're a beginner. Yeah, I um, assume catching yourself on the way down is what does it. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, you have to learn how to fall without just putting your hands out, um, because if you do that, you're much more likely to break your wrist. Uh, instead you want to land with your arms stretched out um, because, and and you'll see this in martial arts too, where you sort of like reach out and slap the ground or, you know, and then it disperses the impact across a wider area. Oh, okay. So not, that makes sense. When you said straight arms, I'm picturing like, arms straight forward no no no, mean, no, no, like, no. Wingspan. as you go to your... backwards <laughs> to your side yeah yes put your so arms that, you straight know, you forward can... and let and fall backwards no. <laughs> no. no 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 out no. to the sides like wings out to the sides yeah exactly like yeah wings. i mean it, it would right. it would increase your your air friction mm-hmm. resistance <laughs> wind <laughs> resistance i don't so this is not a math podcast yes, <laughs> yes. Wind resistance, um, famously a part of the math discipline. <laughs> I mean, you have to use math physics. to calculate the you're looking for wind resistance. Physics. Right? <laughs> uh, the other injury that you would expect is head injuries. They do recommend wearing helmets. Um, I guess primarily head injuries can occur as parts of collision 
or uh, if you fall backward hitting your head on the ground. Yeah, so don't backward. fall backward with your hands stretched out in front of you like a zombie. Yeah, no. No, that would be, <laughs> you will you will get a concussion. Uh, and unlike ski bindings, and this was the thing that really was a problem for me the one time I attempted to snowboard, uh, you can't get your feet free. Um, I To me, this felt incredibly unnatural that I couldn't move my feet independently from each other. And so I would just like kind of immediately fall over because I would try to move one foot and then couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, this is actually a good thing injury-wise, apparently, um, because only 15% of snowboard injuries are to the knees as compared to 45% of all skiing injuries Dang. because your feet are locked into place. So you can't like tweak your knee or whatever, yeah. which I thought was interesting. <laughs> so that's, uh, snowboarding, uh, people to watch. So if you're our age or so, uh, and you have paid any attention to snowboarding, you'll be familiar with Sean yes. White. Uh, he also had some controversies, which we're not going to get into right now. Uh, but he is the only three-time gold medalist uh, in snowboarding, uh, and he is coming back this year. He's been to five Olympics. Uh, he, this will probably be his last one. I think one, he said uh, it's his last. the def- I think he has. Uh, it's he's defending. He's the defending gold medalist in halfpipe, uh, and so is Chloe Kim, uh, who is a really terrific, fun little little prodigy. Um, well, I guess she was more of a prodigy four years ago. Now she's like more of a normal age person. Um, but <laughs> she was really fun to uh, watch she's also last defending, year. Last time, yeah, she was. Yeah, gold defending gold medalist in halfpipe, uh, and then. Jamie Anderson and Red Gerard are also returning to defend uh, titles. So that's fun. Yeah, Jamie uh, Anderson, I think, because I, I um, came across this, like all the results I was looking at was mixed for um, mm-hmm. uh, skiing and snowboarding. And so Jamie Anderson is like the only one who, she's won the last two gold medals, and she's the only female gold medalist in this sport that is being run for the third time. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it, it should be there's some good Americans to watch uh for all of this. Um should be a good time. And uh Jamie Anderson's from South Lake Tahoe, so nice. local girl to us. Yeah. Um two-time defending Olympic gold medalist in slope style, uh and she's up to become the first snowboarder to three-peat in an Olympic event. Because um, though Sean White has three medals, they weren't all consecutive. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's what I got for you on snowboarding. It's fun. It's really fun it to really watch. It really is. Um, yeah, it really is. It's definitely one of the showier, more entertaining things to watch, in my yeah. opinion, at least. Um, so, ten out of ten. Do recommend. Good times to be had by all. <laughs> if you decide to go snowboarding, wear wrist guards and a helmet, and don't don't be a dick. Get lessons, to, like, if at all possible. Yeah, get lessons. Yeah, yeah. Good advice. Learn how to not hurt yourself mm-hmm. and others. And others. Yes, thank you. All right, thank you, Nancy, for that uh, lovely primer. Rebecca, tell the people where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram at Falpuck Podcast, on Twitter at Falpuck Pod, and on the World Wide Web at falpuckpodcast.net. Thank you. And we'd like also like to thank Joe for doing our editing and Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. 
And I would like to encourage everybody to check out our other Winter Olympics mini-sodes. We've been doing a bunch of them, and they're all fun. So find the uh, sport of your choice and go give it a listen, and then tell everybody you know about how much fun it was. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.